Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It is Friday. I hope you guys are ready for an outstanding weekend. Hopefully we can get you started off early this morning as we roll towards the end of your workday, whenever it might be. And speaking of workdays, today we've got... My guy Lance Taylor on uh, for a couple of segments here in the first hour. He'll join us in about uh, 10 or 12 minutes. And then we will go an hour two to Dan Wetzel, who is still covering the Aaron Hernandez murder trial, the second murder trial, as the jury deliberates and see what, uh, what is transpiring there in Boston. And then in hour three, we're going to dive into the NBA playoffs with an insider from Adrian Wojnarowski's the vertical site. So all those things are coming if you want to roadmap today's show. But we begin with a couple questions. I'm curious what you guys watched last night because it was kind of a quiet sports day. The NHL playoffs started, and I found myself watching some of the NHL playoffs. I'm never going to be a hardcore NHL fan. And I understand people say, why don't you ever talk about the NHL? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the NHL today. And I've talked about it before. I've said I would watch it more frequently if they put an alligator or a polar bear on the ice. I still believe that. The NHL playoffs, very entertaining, but they, uh, they they just, if you never played hockey growing up, you're probably not going to be a hockey fan. So it's a niche market sport that is difficult to appeal to, to the casual fan. Having said that, there weren't a lot of things going on last night. I watched a little bit of the hockey, and then I watched that Coach Cal documentary. And I got to tell you, that Coach Cal documentary was a two-hour commercial for him. I mean, we had the director on yesterday. Jason Martin booked that. I got no idea who the director was. And he was like, oh, Cal didn't know how to feel about the documentary. He found it to be really challenging to watch. Everybody with a pulse who watched that documentary said, my God, ESPN just gave Coach Cal a two-hour recruiting commercial. Well, that's the truth. 
And I, I think you kind of know that's going to happen. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of the last time that I watched somebody give access to ESPN and they came off looking awful. Right? I mean, I, I don't think anybody, in the same way, it's not just ESPN, the sports documentaries in general. Have you watched any of those 247s from HBO and then the people who are starring in the 247, have you thought, my God, I hate all these people? Now, partly I think that's just because in general, the more time you spend around someone, most people are predisposed to end up finding a reason to like someone as opposed to just believing the worst about them. So it's kind of the exact opposite of social media. But I don't remember the last time I watched a documentary in sports and left disliking a subject of that documentary. Does that make sense? I mean, and there have been controversial guys who they've made documentaries about in sports. I just I can't remember having seen one and disliked it, especially if the person is still living. Now, if it's a historical documentary and it's about a, somebody who was very controversial in his or her time, maybe that's the case. But I, I knew that when we talked to the guy who was doing the Cal documentary yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, right. So Cal, and first of all, I don't believe that John Calipari had never seen the movie before, and then he went to watch it debut in Lexington. There's no way that's the truth. Zero percent chance. You do a all-access documentary that's focused entirely on your life, and the first time you watch it is when you walk into a public theater? I'm just not buying that at all. Just not going to buy it at all. I wouldn't do that, would you? I wouldn't bring my mom and my family to come watch a movie, a documentary about me that you'd never seen before? No way in hell I would do that. And I'm a scintilla as controversial as John Calipari. I haven't had two Final Four stripped. I haven't uh, been a- unable to win but one national championship despite the fact that I've had twice as many NBA players as Duke and North Carolina who have managed to win four national championships in the same amount of time. No way I'm watching that for the first time without having seen it before. And so you kind of knew it was going to be a fluff piece, but it was even more of a fluff piece than I anticipated. What did you guys watch, Danny G? I mean, this is kind of a quiet time in sports. I mean, everybody's talking about this Eli Manning uh, helmet fraud autograph scandal, and I looked at that, and I read about it, and I'm like, my God, this is not – there's nothing to this story. That's how – it. I oftentimes say it's not just a function of when you get in trouble. If you are an athlete or you're a person in a public eye, it's when you get in trouble and how many other stories there are that define how long you stay in the public eye. This Eli Manning autograph story, if it happened during the football season, would literally last not even hardly long enough to send out the link. The fact that there's no NBA yet, the fact that there are only three hockey games and that by and large the nation isn't a big hockey fan uh, country, the fact that they had this John Calipari documentary on is evidence of the fact that there wasn't very many stories going on. And so it's not just about what you do. It's about whether somebody else does something dumber. I remember talking about this with James Franklin, uh, Penn State's current football coach, but then he was Vanderbilt's football coach. You may remember this story a little bit. He came on our radio show when I was doing local radio in Nashville, and he said that, uh, that, he, that we were, it was my theory, and I 100% stand by it. It is that if you're going to be a good recruiter, you probably are going to have a hot wife. Pretty basic. Why do I believe that? Because whatever makes you a good recruiter or a good salesman, because effectively a recruiter is just a salesman, right? He's going to go sell his school to a high school football recruit, is also what makes you good with the opposite sex, right? 
if you're a good recruiter or you're a good salesman, you probably have a hotter wife than people would expect. You outkicked your coverage with your wife. That's not an insane proposition. And James Franklin bought into that, and he's like, yeah, I check out whether or not my uh, my recruiters have good-looking wives. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a ridiculous statement at all, and it turned into, like, a huge thing. And afterwards, like, why did that turn into such a huge story? I said, because you said it on a Friday going into Memorial Day weekend, and nothing else happened on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, so people needed something to talk about, so they spent three eight, three days talking about it. So it's why, you know, oftentimes you'll see it's not a coincidence that Friday's afternoon or evening you get a lot of news stories drop out of nowhere, right? Suddenly, oh, wow, major story drops at 5 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Eastern on Friday, right, as people go into the weekend. Now, people still pay attention on the weekends in a way that they didn't in years past, but at least back in the day, that was the time you got a news drop because you knew that people were going to dial out more so on Saturday and Sunday. And the ultimate news drop, drop, of course, is right before Christmas. It's amazing how often schools just throw out stuff, teams throw out stuff right before Christmas or right before holiday weekend, Memorial Day coming up. So there's just not a lot of stories. So the Eli Manning story kind of percolated at the top. Danny G, what did you watch last night? Did you watch the NHL or did you watch this Cal documentary or did you totally take off from sports? No, I, I, wa- I still, I'm like you. I'm going to watch sports every night. So I, I watched the 30 for 30. What did you think? Did you think it was as much of a total advertisement for John Calipari as <laughs> I, I did? I don't think I thought that in the moment, but I definitely thought there were a lot of corny parts in that 30 for 30, especially when the the Marcus Camby uh, issue came up. In, but the part I did like was when they showed how Coach Cal was fired by the Nets and then hired as an assistant by Larry Brown. Uh, when he was the head coach of the 76ers. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's part of the of his uh, uh, career. And what happened in that first game, Larry Brown was ejected out of the game, and suddenly he's on the side. He's, uh, you know, walking the court as the coach or the interim coach for that game, and it's against the Nets. So that I thought that was kind of cool, but all in all, I, I agree with you. It, it just seemed like it was a big two-hour butt kiss. Uh, after that, I watched baseball highlights, and I did watch a little bit of NHL playoff hockey. I grew up here in Southern California and, and a few years in the Bay Area. Besides the San Jose Sharks being a big deal in the Bay, I just never was never was on the ice, never played hockey, don't understand it to this day. So it's a little hard for me to get into, but our on-site hockey guru, Eddie Garcia, has inspired me. So I, <laughs> I've been trying to understand it better as a, you know, an adult sports fan, because as a kid, I just wasn't interested. My wife is from outside of Detroit, so if you're from outside of Detroit or you're from you know that that kind of Midwestern area, it's the sport of choice. I mean, as much as people like the Tigers and as much as people like the Lions, uh, so many people are all in with the Red Wings in Detroit. So I got used to watching some of the playoffs uh, during the Red Wing kind of heyday with her but I'm still never going to like it as much as I am sports that I've actually played. And I think that's the challenge that ultimately people are like, why Why does the NHL never translate? Why, does, why, do, why do more people not watch? I mean, I think the answer is pretty easy. It's because most people, the vast majority of people listening to me right now on this show, have never played hockey. And if you haven't ever played hockey, it's hard to really like something that you haven't played. It's why I've been arguing for a long time that soccer's on the upswing, right? Because nowadays, if you're in your 20s or your 30s and you're listening to me right now, there's almost no one who hasn't played soccer. When I was growing up in my neighborhood, my part of the, the city that I lived in, nobody played soccer. Soccer was still a rich kid sport. 
nowadays, which is funny because soccer is the exact opposite in America. For a long time, soccer was a lot, a lot exact opposite of what it is in the rest of the country, right? In the rest of the country, soccer is a poor man's sport. In America, for a very long time, it was the sport that only rich kids played. It's kind of like lacrosse. Now soccer obviously is trans- transferred over. Uh, there's obviously a lot more of an immigration issue in the country where there's a lot more people coming in and play. I bet there's hardly any kid who's 20 years old that's never played soccer in America. Okay, we're going to talk to my guy Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. When you maximize performance, fuel economy, engine life, you'll save. Get a two, 5.25 ounce of Lucas Fuel System treatment for just $4.99. Restrictions and details in store. Get in the get in the zone. AutoZone. Always in the zone here. I'm Clay Travis. Up next, Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Joined now by my guy Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. LT. NBA playoffs start tomorrow on Saturday. Scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for the first round of the NBA playoffs? Uh, you know, I hate to say this because the NBA for me, I stack it like this play. I would go college football and the NFL are like 1A, 1B. Yep. And then I would go NBA right behind them. But because the NBA really is top-heavy and is so predictable, and I kind of – I think we all know – who's going to match up in the NBA Finals this year. Um, yeah, I'm still excited about the playoffs, um, but the first round, I'm going to go a six just because the regular season's finally over. Uh, the only thing that sucks about the NBA playoffs for me is I, I know it, it lasts a long time, which I get excited about. Most people dog it out because it drags for so long, but what people have to realize is after the NBA playoffs, all we've got is baseball to get us to football. So I, 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 I kind of I, I enjoy it. But it's really sad when it comes to an end in June because we've got a couple of months nothing. My argument, I'm glad you brought that up, because my argument for a while has been that the NBA should push back their season so that they don't compete in the beginning with football as much as they do. In other words, I don't understand why the NBA needs to open in October now and then play through November. If I were in charge of the NBA and they just said, Clay Travis, you're in charge of scheduling now, I would make the opening of the NBA season Christmas Day. I would open the NBA like everybody plays on Christmas Day. We own Christmas. That's the to me because I think that's kind of the unofficial start for a lot of people of the NBA season. That's when everybody you know opens their presents and they sit underneath the tree. Like I think that could be a really cool open, and then push the NBA season all the way to maybe the first week of August, late July, when it actually ends. You know, I, I gotta say this. I think you would be a pretty good commissioner. I don't know, um, just because I, I think you've got a good sense for this. Adam Silver is, you know, arguably the best commissioner in sports right now. Um, and he's done a really good job with it, but I think you're on to something there. Because um, I threw this question out the other day, and I know I'm getting off track a little bit. Did you know General MacArthur was offered the commissioner job for Major League Baseball? Douglas MacArthur, who said, I shall yeah. return to the Philippines? No, I didn't know. Yeah, That's he, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, after after yeah, World shot, War II? Yeah, he shot it down. I forgot the year, but, yeah, he was offered the job, and he shot it down. So I posed this question. Who is a great media member or former athlete that would be a really, really good commissioner? But I think with thoughts like that, you know, I think Clay Travis, with the NBA starting on Christmas Day and owning it and really tightening that schedule to keep it away from football, I mean, that's what we want. I mean, a lot of people like things to bleed over and you just want this mass of, of stuff. But uh, sometimes I just think it makes sense for, for different sports to, to own their own time. 
I think what happens in sports a lot of times is we become a slave to tradition, even when that tradition doesn't make sense. Like, and I think that's true of life in general. People continue to do things, and nobody ever takes a step and says, wait, wait a minute, why do we do this? Like, for me, the time change. Like, why do we change the time? Nobody ever asked the question why if something's been going on for a long time, at least not frequently that that question isn't asked. And so I understand probably old school-wise because it used to be you didn't want to interfere with summer vacation, right? Summer vacation was this sacrosanct time of the year, and people went away to, like, you know, middle of nowhere, and they might not have access to televisions, right, because you're going to, like, the Catskills in upstate New York, and you're going to go for this rural family vacation, and nobody's going to pay attention at all to what's going on otherwise. And I don't think that's true anymore. You know, I think anywhere you go in the world, you can follow the NBA if you're an NBA fan. And I think what you need to look for now is structurally times when there isn't as much competition. And to me, and this is not just because I do sports talk radio and so I confront it on a daily basis, you've done this too. Once the NBA ends, there's a prolonged dead period. And, and we talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday. People say, oh, talk about baseball. Baseball is not like the NBA, right? Because in the NBA and the NFL, even if you're not a fan of a particular team, you know the players. All the superstars in the NFL right now, if I started to say, okay, name the best 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, just about every person listening to us right now could give me their list of the best 10 quarterbacks. If I said name the 10 best baseball players right now, even if you're a baseball fan, people's list would be awful, right? Like You might disagree with somebody having a quarterback at the 8th or ninth place. Like You're able to have an argument, right? If I told you to name me the five best, you're, you're starting five right now, in major league in in the in the NBA, most people could give you a pretty good starting five, right? Even if they're not experts, because the the stars translate across teams. You may be a fan of I don't know the Memphis Grizzlies, but you definitely know the five best players in the NBA. Does a fan of the Atlanta Braves or the Chicago Cubs know the eight best players in Major League Baseball? I'm not no, sure that they not. do. No, no, there's, there's there's no way, and you know and. I hate to say back in the day, but, I mean, we, we kind of knew uh, Major League Baseball was, was different. And, I mean, people, there, there was, I don't want to say there were more stars, but it was just, there was so much more interest in Major League Baseball. And, you know, I, I had the extra innings package for over a decade. Last year was the first year I didn't subscribe to it. Yeah, I, you know what? And I think a big part of it is, and I compare it to, say, my kids. When you or I got out of school in the like in, uh, back in the day, it was a big deal if the Chicago Cubs were on WGN, right? And it was a big deal if you could watch the Braves on TBS. Nowadays, when kids get off school, I'll tell you what my kids do. They don't come home and they don't have any interest in checking sports. They get on YouTube. They get on Netflix. Like, they have so many better entertainment options than we did that sports just falls down the radar. And then you combine it with the fact yesterday we had John Morosi on, and he was like, dude, if you want to pay attention to an NFL team, all you have to do is is watch one three-hour game a week, right? And you can go into work on Monday, and you can talk about the team as well as the person who's committed the hardest, right? Like, you watch that three-hour game, you're plugged in. There's 21 hours a week of baseball. Like, yeah. that's almost an additional job. Like, you know, if you work 40 or 50 hours, and then you got to keep up for 20 more hours of baseball, who has that time? It's insane. You know, and I'm a Dodger fan, so you got a 931st pitch. Uh, at least central time for me. And so the game's not over till one in the morning and it's just impossible. I mean, my schedule, it just, it doesn't afford it anymore. So I'm kind of done with it. Unfortunately, I probably watch 10 games a year 
from start to finish. And uh, I, you know, if, I, if given the option in July, you can watch an episode of Better Call Saul, or you can watch, uh, you know, Dodgers and, and Nationals. I'm going to take uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah, we're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor, and this all spiraled out of the fact that the NBA playoffs are starting. And my my question for you in general is: you can only watch one NBA playoff series in the first round. Which one is it? Uh, I get. I'm going to be boring and say Rockets and Thunder, just because you have one and two in the MVP race, and, and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And you know, I know the Rockets got the best of them in the regular season, but you know. Westbrook, if he plays out of his mind, I mean, there is a chance that Oak City could pull off the upset in that first round. You know, there's going to be a lot of offense, and so, you know, I think that's probably the most intriguing to me. I said, and I'm curious if you agree with this, that the the big flaw for me for the NBA is when you start the NHL season, any team could win the Stanley Cup, right? When you start the NFL playoffs, if you make the NFL playoffs, it's not a surprise if a wild card team wins the Super Bowl now. Same thing in baseball. Any team can win. In, in in the NBA this year, how many teams do you think can actually win the championship? Um, I think most people would disagree with me, but I am going. I'm going to say two. I mean, I, this is. And I'm there are 16 this. teams in the NBA yep. playoffs, and again, there's 12 in the NFL. There's a ton in baseball. Was it 12 in baseball? I think two or whatever the math is. There are, you know, obviously 16, I believe, also in the NHL. So there are 16 teams advancing to the playoff. You've only eliminated 14 NBA teams, and yet you still only believe those 16, two can win it. Yeah, and it's pathetic. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this. Any, anybody that gets in the NFL playoffs or Major League Baseball, we see wild cards make the run, and we, we've seen it. I mean, it, 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 it happens year in, year out with teams that are seated low, and they, they get on a run, and they actually win a championship. In the NBA, you just don't see it. And when I look at it this year, look, I know Boston's the one seed in the East. They are not ready to win a championship. They are getting better. Brad Stevens, outside of Greg Popovich, is probably the best coach in the NBA right now. But the Celtics with Isaiah Thomas, a 5'11 player, is not going to carry them seven-game series after seven-game series. It's not going to happen. They're not there yet. They're still a piece away. Um, It's going to be the Cavaliers. It's going to be the Warriors. As good as San Antonio can be, they're not going to beat the Warriors with Durant back now. So for three consecutive years, um, as excited as I can be about these NBA playoffs, we're going to get Warriors versus Cavaliers again. We are going to continue to talk with Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter, but first let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And my guys at True Car, with them, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor. Hope your Friday is going well. LT, we were just talking about the NBA, uh, the NBA playoffs. Who's your MVP? Uh, I mean, I've got to go Russell Westbrook. I think we got a little numb to it on how good this guy was, and I know this is maybe the closest MVP race in history. Um, but I mean, to average a triple double, I mean, it's just something we haven't seen since Oscar Robertson. I never saw Oscar Robertson play. You never saw Oscar Robertson play. Um, I just think it's incredible what Russell Westbrook has done. James Harden, obviously a great talent year in year out. You can give it to LeBron James, but uh, to me, it's it's got to be Russell Westbrook. 
We're talking to LT, uh, Lance Taylor, at the uh, Lance Taylor on Twitter. LT, a lot of talk lately. Let's shift a little bit to the NFL as the NFL draft gets closer. A lot of talk lately about Richard Sherman being on the market. Is it worth it to trade for a 29-year-old corner like Richard Sherman? What would you peg his value if you were an NFL GM? You get to play GM. What's he worth? I still think Richard Sherman is one of the best cornerbacks, three or four cornerbacks in the league. And you look at Josh Norman. You know, what happened to Carolina? And look, and I know they were decimated by injuries last year. But when Norman left the Carolina Panthers, that defense was different. And most people said, look, it's it's system. Norman's going to get exposed once he goes to Washington. But we saw that Josh Norman is one of the best quarterbacks in all of the NFL. So, you know, to me, Richard Sherman's still that guy. Richard Sherman, I, well, Josh Norman was an outspoken guy, too. Richard Sherman may be a different level. And I think that's what hap- that is what has happened with John Snyder and Pete Carroll. I think they're just kind of a little past it. Uh, their emphasis more on their safeties, maybe the best safety combination in Chancellor and, and Earl Thomas and all of the NFL. Um, I, I still think there's a ton of value at 29 for, for a guy like Richard Sherman. Yeah, see, I, I agree. And I think really if you make the trade for Richard Sherman, what you're saying is, you're doing it if you believe in the next two to three years you have a window to win a Super Bowl. And it's hard to win a Super Bowl. Nobody's doubting that. But if you can put yourself into a position to win, that's a trade you make. I think it's impossible in the NFL today. You may disagree. But I think to look much further than two or three down, two or three years down the road, because your average NFL career is only three or four years, right? So if you've got a good quarterback and you've got enough support that surrounds him, I think you can have a two- or three-year window. I also think you can have a 10-year window. Obviously, the Patriots have had like a 20-year window. But if you get the right quarterback, that's all that matters. And that's kind of been my argument here as we move into the draft season. If you can take a quarterback, the risk associated with taking a quarterback is so low now. They're gonna, you're going to pay him like $7 million a year, $28 million over four years. If you get the right guy, that's a small price to pay. To me... The NFL now has to use quarterbacks like college does. And the example, I want to see here if you agree with me, LT. In college, even if you have a great quarterback, you still go out and sign another great quarterback the next year. Alabama's a great example, right? Jalen Hurts looks like he could be really good. But they're not resting on their laurels and believing that they're going to have him for a long time. They're going out and getting another good guy the next year. If you don't have like a top 10 quarterback in this league, which 22 teams don't, I think you keep going back into the NFL draft quarterback pool again and again and again until you find your guy. Yeah, well, no, you're, you're dead on. And, you know, you look at a team like Green Bay, maybe that's, you know, a terrible example. But you got a guy like Brett Favre and you draft Aaron Rodgers and he just stands on the sideline and, and you let it play out. And it's like good organizations, they get it right with quarterbacks. I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've always got it right at quarterback. Um, bad organizations get it wrong. And that's why, you know, the Cleveland Browns, regardless of who they draft, this is why Deshaun Watson is probably going to get lucky and he's going to escape Cleveland because they're going to get a guy like Mitch Trubisky and it might end up going down as one of the biggest busts in NFL history, especially if they take the guy number one overall. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you stockpile these quarterbacks. I mean, you look at what New England's done, and I know no, no backup has, has actually made an impact Leaving New England, I mean, you look at Ryan Mallett, you look at Matt Castle, uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo, you're talking about the leverage this guy's going to have. And I would say that all 32 teams right now would rather have Garoppolo than any quarterback that is available in this NFL draft. I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. Okay, I got a wacky story for you here. Um, An eight-year-old drove his sister to McDonald's after learning how to drive from YouTube videos. 
and this is the story. I don't know if you've heard this yet. This is great for your show, too. At approximately 8 p.m. on Sunday, an 8-year-old boy and his little sister snuck out of their home in East Palestine, Ohio, after their father went to bed early and mother fell asleep on the couch. The kids managed to get into their father's work van and took off on a journey to every kid's happy place, McDonald's. According to Fox 8 in Cleveland, the boy drove a mile through four intersections and over a set of railroad tracks, luckily he wasn't hit by a train, to the restaurant, making multiple turns in the process. Witnesses say the boy obeyed all traffic laws and even drove the speed limit. Luckily, a family friend happened to be at the McDonald's when the kids showed up. They notified the grandparents. When police arrived, the little boy revealed that he learned to drive by watching videos on YouTube. Nobody injured. The kids both got to eat cheeseburgers before cops arrived. Uh, this is an amazing story from out of the Cleveland area. This ha- You have two kids. If this happens, are you amazed and convinced that you have a genius child, or are you terrified that it ever happened, or a little bit of both? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. And, and then for the record, I've got 13 and 9-year-old. and neither one of these guys. Uh, with my 13-year-old daughter, no chance. Uh, nine-year-old son, no chance. They would they would run over mailbox next door before they would get you know any semblance down the street. True story though. Uh, I, I grew up in a, a neighborhood where we used to run the streets back in the '80s, and there was a family of ten, uh, Catholic family, and one of the oldest brothers used to sneak mom's station wagon out when he was 13 and I was 10, and he would pick me up and we would ride around in the middle of the night when he was 13, driving me around in the station wagon. So and this was this was way pre YouTube. Now we never made it to McDonald's. We never left the neighborhood. But at thirteen, I mean, he was driving a two thousand pound station wagon around. What time would it have been? Oh, I mean, it was uh, midnight, one in the morning. So this was a plan that you guys had was that you would leave the house, come outside, and he'd drive by in his dad's station wagon, and you guys would just cruise the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, but this was back. I mean, this is in the BMX days, and we used to throw rocks at cars. I mean, we were hellions. We were terrible. I mean, there was nothing to do. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't Netflix. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the plan was we were out playing football in the yard and, uh, you know, jumping dirt bikes, and, hey, I'm going to pick you up tonight at midnight, sneak out. We'll drive around the neighborhood. That's Let's incredible. And nobody ever pulled you over? You'd pass cars? Nobody ever blinked? No. And then, and then you know, I, I started driving on, on regular roads at 14. We had a, an older guy with a weird situation, but he would let us – Taught us how to drive a five-speed. He probably wanted a little bit more than just our companionship. Um, but but taught us how to drive a five-speed. And uh, me and a couple of buddies, you know, at 14, were driving all over the streets. I mean, you know, back in the day. So I, that was that was just an example. We got bored a lot easier. But, you know, again, it goes back to options they've got now. But that is amazing that a kid that age could watch YouTube, the tutorial of that, and, and actually be able to drive an automobile. There, there is zero chance my kids could do it. Good stuff, as always, LT. Have a good weekend. Good luck gambling. What game do you like, by the way, the best to gamble on? Uh, I'm looking at them right now. I'm looking at some series odds, so I'm not really sure. Again, I, I don't know how excited I am about this first round. I'm really interested to see how Cleveland's going to play because, you know, uh, we saw it last year, down 3-1 in the NBA Finals, and, you know, they flex, and, you know, they're, they're able to just kind of call their shot there. But they're playing at such a bad level right now. And by the way, I was at that game on Sunday in Atlanta, um, and I left in the fourth quarter with the Hawks down 24 and didn't see the amazing comeback. Oh, my God. That's an unbelievable yeah. – yeah. Just totally pathetic. But uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how Cleveland plays in this series against Pacers. Because, you right. know, the, the, numbers, the numbers are going to be inflated because it's Cleveland. But, again, I think you're going to get some value with Paul George and Indiana. I said that Indiana's going to win two games in that series. 
Yeah, I could see that. I really could. So, again, uh, I just think you, you play the Pacers plus the points the entire way, and you're probably going to come out fine. Outstanding stuff, as always. Go follow Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. He's at Jocks94.5 down in Birmingham. Appreciate the stuff, my man. Okay, good weekend, Clay. That is LT. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, when you really need to be there, you really need an interstate. The car battery auto techs prefer. Let one of those techs test your battery today. Find a location near you at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Speaking of the opposite of outrageously dependable, I just confessed that I ran out of gas earlier this week for the first time in my life. My wife loved it because she's been talking about the fact that I was going to do it for the last 16 years that we've been together or dating. I tend to drive down into the red zone, certainly closer and closer to the empty spot. Pull out, taking my kid to swim class. Next thing you know, the car sputters, pulls over to the side of the road, and she got ultimate vindication. How much of an idiot am I? Danny G, Justin, you guys ever run out of gas? Yeah, this is Justin here, Clay. Uh, I've done it so often that I've become a professional at driving my car to the very last drop. It's It's been probably a good... I don't know, seven, seven years since I've run out of gas, but uh, it's, it's happened to me a number of times. What percentage of people do you think have actually run out of gas? I, mean, I need to put a poll question up about this because when I did it and I tweeted about it, people were like, oh, you're an idiot. But there was also a lot of uh, sympathy because I think there's a lot of people who pull the Kramer from Seinfeld and try to drive at, to the last possible drop. Danny G, uh, boy, gas is like $9 a gallon now in California, right? Yeah, that's the thing. And here in California, we all play this little game where you get just a little bit of the expensive gas station into the tank, and then you tell yourself, all right, this will just tide me over till I get to a, a more affordable gas station that I know of. And, of course, you never make it there. You wind up running out of gas, and you should have just got gas, you know, the first time you were at the expensive station. You, you know what's funny about that is my dad uh, was telling me, he tells me like 20 times a year probably, like every other week, there's a gas station right by where we live. My dad and mom live in a condo in our uh, in our development here, so they're right by our, our house. So it's pretty awesome for my boys and, and everything else. But my dad will always tell me, like, the gas at the gas station closest to where we live is evidently like 30 cents more a gallon than it is anywhere else. Like, we live – and I – now we live in a rich part of town, right? In a rich part of town, the gas is always more expensive than it was in the poor part of town. Now, I didn't think about it very much when I lived in the poor part of town, like literally right downtown Nashville, very cheap uh, gas. But my dad told me about it. So the other day when I was empty and I, or close to empty and I was driving to go take my kid to swim class, I'm like, you know what? I'll go to the cheaper gas station. So I turn left and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is good. I'll just fill up. And, of course, I run out of gas halfway there. So I, I, I feel like uh, I, I was in some way trying to save. And what do you save? Like, you know, 30 cents a gallon. I, I don't drive a big truck. So, it, you know, it costs me whatever. I'm, I mean, it might be $2, $3 difference when I actually fill up the tank. And, uh, and, and that in and of itself just left me on the side of the road. And then I had to call my wife for, for backup, which is always a difficult situation. Anybody who's married knows the worst thing about being wrong when you're married is not being wrong. It's that your wife or your husband gets to gloat over the fact that you were wrong. And basically your life is over now because my wife is similar. Like on all family trips, I drive because I want us to get there alive. And my wife is, I mean, she basically has accidents like 10 times a year. And so, and especially when we're driving like the big SUV, I mean, she, she has to literally sit on a pillow to be able to see over the steering wheel. This is like a big thing. And I know it's the same way in LA, like little women tend to be in big cars. 
right? Like the smaller the woman, the bigger the car. And and at SUVs, like they're driving around in Range Rovers, taking corners, like wiping people out on sidewalks, knocking off, uh, knocking off all sorts of uh, of like signs and everything else. I mean, it's ridiculous how often she can't park. Uh, so anyway, I'm driving us all the time, and she's really aggressive about me not checking my text messages, me not checking Twitter or whatever else while I'm driving, and also about just the the you know the machinations of what the what the 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 whole trip is looking like. And so she's always on top of the gas. You got Danny G. Is your wife like this? Uh, well, she's not a wife yet, and if she keeps it up in the car the way she goes right now, we may never get married. Um, been dating for seven months, and one thing I found out uh, about my girlfriend right away is when I drive us, she is just you know a, the worst backseat driver you can imagine. That's and all I, women. And I'm driving, and I'm driving cool. I'm not doing anything crazy. But when she's behind the wheel and I'm the passenger. You should see her get right up on everybody's back bumper. And the way she drives, If I, I always tell her, I'm like, you know what? If you were me, if roles were reversed, you would be trying to get out of the car. And I don't say a word. I'm really cool. I don't say anything. But if I drove like that, she'd be screaming. There's no doubt at all. All right, so... I want to get back into I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to dive back into the story that is it's continuing to dominate everybody. Did you guys see the injuries that the uh that the guy got on the United Airlines flight? A couple of knocked out teeth, he said, a broken nose. Uh I'm not sure what else. Did you guys see all that stuff? This uh this Asian Asian yeah. doctor who was dragged off. So, I've been all in on this story and I'm going to write about it again this morning as part of the Outkick mailbag that I do every single Friday. But this story, to me, continues to spiral in all sorts of ridiculous directions. And I'm going to go back into it. I want to go back into your calls because so many people wanted to react to it. And we talked about it earlier this week now that we know what the actual injuries are. I think this guy got exactly what he deserved. I think if you refuse to get off of an airplane like this guy did, then what happens to you is you get injured when you get dragged off of an airplane. And so people are like, oh, I'm going to go to my Twitter feed. Somebody like sent me the link to his injury and said, uh, now how do you feel? Like, uh, how many people, like, uh, this is ridiculous. Like, how do you feel about this? Um, guy removed, somebody tweeted me yesterday, guy removed from the United Airlines fi- flight, suffered a concussion, broken nose, two teeth missing. Still think it, it was uh, that he was in the wrong? Yeah, 100% I do. I think that if you make the decision, like this guy did, to not listen to authorities and make them drag you off an airplane, that what happens to you is not their fault at that point. Period. And so if I were United Airlines, I would refuse to pay this this guy one red cent. I, I've been involved in plaintiff lawsuits before. I have litigated cases. I would not pay this guy one red cent. Everybody's saying, oh, they're going to settle for so many millions of dollars. I wouldn't pay him a dollar. First of all, you have joint and several liability with the Chicago Police Department. And if the guy was injured, that's not United Airlines' fault. I don't know how they can be to blame for the injuries that occurred to him when law enforcement officers took him off the plane. Moreover, I don't know how law enforcement officers can directly be blamed for the injuries that he suffered when he made them, they told him, we're going to have to drag you off the plane unless you acquiesce to our demand our legal demand that you get off this plane and he refused 
So I don't have any issue whatsoever with any of these issue with any of these injuries. I would not pay him a dollar. I'm going to take your calls at the top of hour two because I know that a lot of people still want to react based on all the all the Twitter feed uh, reaction that we continue to get over this. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine is that number. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. I'm going to walk through the entire process. I'm going to make you see this in a light that you have not seen it before. If right now you're driving around on your way to work and you're like, oh, Clay Travis is an idiot. I can't agree with him uh, more or can't disagree with him more. You're wrong, but you have the right to be ro- to be wrong. You can call in 877-996-6369, and I'm going to tell you exactly why everything that you think is wrong when we come back out of this next break. Also, Dan Wetzel at the bottom of the hour from the Aaron Hernandez double murder trial, the second one. Hour three, we talk NBA playoffs with one of the guys from the vertical, Adrian Wojnarowski's Yahoo Sports site. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios Hour 2 brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hope your Fridays are going well. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Again, news breaking yesterday. According to the man's lawyer on the United Airlines flight, he suffered a concussion, a broken nose, two teeth missing. I was asked yesterday, do you still think he behaved like a three-year-old in the middle of a tantrum? My answer is yes. Okay, I wanted to start with you here because I feel like this story has spiraled out of control in a viral context because people watched 15 seconds of this video and said, oh my God, I can't believe what's actually taking place here. So I want to take you back in time. I want you to just erase what you think right now. Okay, I know it's challenging, but erase whatever preconceived notion you have right now, and I want you to follow me on this chain of thought. Because this is what happened if you actually look at the facts. And I think a lot of times, and this goes for, for everything, by the way, people in a social media era want to believe in a very basic worldview. Everything is black or white. Everything is completely wrong or completely right. Everyone is either a hero or a villain. There's no middle ground. And so the way, by and large, that this story has spiraled out is this poor Asian doctor is a total hero and everybody else, namely United Airlines, is an awful villain. I want you to just follow along with me here, okay? This airline is flying from Chicago to Louisville, Kentucky. Not that far of a flight. It is not overbooked. I want to start here. People are obsessed with overbooking now. They're like, why do airlines overbook? The reason why airlines overbook is because statistically, about 5% of people don't show up for air, air flights that they have reserved. And so if they didn't overbook, then every airplane in America just about would have 5% open seats. Given how completely underserved the skies are now, by and large, I imagine the vast majority of you who travel on a regular basis, and I travel on a regular basis and certainly have over the past several years, know that you're typically on flights without very many open seats, right? What do you like when you get onto a plane? Every single person out there listening right now loves it when the plane's not full and you get a whole row to yourself. Feels like you got first class. You can stretch your legs out. You can put your bags in the seats beside you. All those things are great. That doesn't happen very much anymore. Unless you're traveling insanely early in the morning or insanely late at night, 
the number of empty seats on planes continues to dwindle. Overbooking helps to ensure that as many seats are available as possible. That's why they do it. By doing so, the airline is able to overall reduce the cost of individual tickets because that ensures that they sell every single ticket. Okay, that's why overbooking happens. This flight was not overbooked. They went ahead and boarded everybody, and then at the last minute, they've got four crew members for another flight running up. At that point in time, they had thought that they might need this. They had already taken some names. This Asian guy had agreed initially to take $800, and then he changed his mind. Okay, this Asian doctor. The reason why United needs to get these four pilots, these four crew members, onto this flight is because they need to get them to Louisville because there's another airplane down there, and they want to make sure that they don't have to cancel a flight or severely delay 150 people on that plane. So they make the decision, you know what we need to do? We need to get these employees onto this flight and make sure that we get them to Louisville so we can take off and get these other people there. And as a balancing act on that, they say we have to inconvenience four people on this flight in order to take care of 150 people on this other flight. And so they get four people off the plane. Three of them go off the plane with no issues whatsoever. The fourth guy is this Asian doctor who's since become some sort of hero, according to social media. And he refuses to get out of his seat. Flight attendants say, look, if you don't get out of your seat, we're going to have to call authorities. He still refuses to get out. At this point in time, I want you to think about if you fly regularly, which I do, or you fly at all, which I'm sure a lot of you do, have you ever seen a situation on your airplane where three police officers arrive? Three police officers walk onto the airplane and tell this doctor, this grown-ass man, if you don't get up and walk off the plane, I understand that you can be upset. I understand that you think that you have the right to this seat. Well, you don't. Federal law allows airlines to bump you off the airplane. All of you out there saying, well, he bought that seat. He owns it. No, he doesn't. He is a licensed passenger. The airline has the right under federal law to revoke service to anybody it doesn't want to put on that plane. If you think look like you drank too much, if you're abusive to attendants, if you are clearly sick, if you are dressed in a way that they don't like, the airline does not have to fly you. You do not own that seat. You occupy it for a limited amount of time. They have the license to revoke your ability to fly. That is well-established. So when you have three police officers standing above you saying, you need to go, what would the vast majority of you guys do and girls out there? You would get up and walk off. When you refuse to get up and walk off, then the injuries you may suffer being dragged off, I don't have any sympathy for you. That's particularly the case when you are, people say, well, what about this guy's background? He's a doctor. He's sitting there saying, I've got to go see patients. What have we found out since? He just got his medical license back because it was suspended for a decade because he was trading pills for gay sex. Oh, so this doctor who's claiming that he needs to go see all these patients, he actually lost his medical license for a decade and was on probation for five years because he was trading pills for gay sex? Now, if you had that in your background... If you had lost your medical license for 10 years because you traded pills for gay sex, 
wouldn't an authority figure like a police officer or three police officers asking you to do something, wouldn't your brain click and you'd be like, you know what? I don't want to humiliate my family any more than I've already humiliated my family. If you had basic, decent decision-making, wouldn't you think to yourself, I don't want to get dragged off this airplane like an infant while I'm screaming and yelling and looking so insanely ridiculous like this doctor did. If you had some skeletons in your closet, if you had traded pills for sex and lost your medical license for a decade, wouldn't you not want to create another situation with authorities? Instead, this guy makes police officers drag him off the plane. And I think this is an important story because people are like, in the USA Today yesterday, this idiotic newspaper, USA Today, said, well, this, is this Asian guy the Rosa Parks of, of airplanes? And some of you, if anybody out there tries to make this argument, I swear to God, you should be lobotomized. Last time I checked, airplanes don't require Asian people to sit in particular parts of the airplane. Just throwing it out there. Seems like a big story if it's not true. If it's true that, air, that that Asian people don't get to sit wherever they want, I've seen a lot of Asian people on airplanes. I haven't noticed that they're definitely all in the back of the plane. I haven't seen a white person walk in and say, "Hey, Asian dude, you got to move to the back of the plane, bud." <laughs> this guy is not like Rosa Parks. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Colin Kaepernick might have more in common with Rosa Parks than this Asian dude. And you all know that I think Colin Kaepernick's a total idiot. So what's going to happen now is people are going to be more emboldened to continue to do what I see happening way too much in this country, which is not listening to police. I'm a lawyer. I understand that you may think you have a decent argument and that you're being treated unfairly, but let me give you a basic, simple rule to follow. If a police officer tells you to do something, do it. Period. I don't know who all these people out here are who make decisions like this Asian dude and say, no, I'm not going to get up and get off the airplane. What did he think was going to happen? That the police officers are going to be like, you know what? Initially, we were going to make you get off this airplane. But now that you're refusing like a petulant, spoiled brat to get off this airplane, we're going to let you stay on. Do you know what's going to happen now? Because of this situation, airlines are going to be afraid to ask people to leave. And if they stay on seats, I'm telling you right now, this may happen to you. You're going to have hours and hours of just sitting on a tarmac while somebody decides to have a sit-in because they won't listen to flight attendants or to police officers because they're trying to be this guy. Because they're hoping they're going to get dragged off the plane and they're going to be able to file a lawsuit. You don't believe it. Some of you, a lot of you are nodding your head, knowing exactly what's going to happen. As soon as you allow somebody not to acknowledge the rule of law here, and the rule of law is simple, this airline, whether you like it or not, I'm not saying United was flawless here, but whether you like it or not, what they were doing was 100% legal. What that guy refused to do was 100% illegal. He refused to get up and walk off the airplane, and so he got dragged off. I don't know what more you want the police officers to do in this situation. I honestly don't. All right, I have told you the truth. You can be wrong and call in and disagree if you would like. 877-996-6369. Your calls on the next segment. I'm going to dive into this United issue and let you guys give you your feedback. If you're already on uh, the line waiting to talk, uh, we will get to you in the next segment.
Uh, and bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Dan Wetzel about the double murder trial that Aaron Hernandez is facing. So all of your calls next segment, your opportunity to fire to 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 disagree with me, to 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 tell me that I'm wrong. But here's the truth of the matter: that guy deserved exactly what happened to him the moment that he refused to get up when the police officer said, get up. And the way that he's being treated as some hero, despite the fact that he's got a sordid past, despite the fact that he's made bad decisions before and he made bad decisions again, is going to lead to many of my listeners, I guarantee you, having issues at some point in time because other people are trying to be just like this guy and refusing to listen to flight attendants and to police officers. Simple rule on Friday as you go into the weekend, and it's wild and it's crazy, and I know it's unbelievable, but it's simple. Listen to police officers and do what they tell you, and guess what? You'll all be here to listen to me on Monday. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Told you why the doctor on the United Airlines flight was an idiot. In my opinion, I have zero sympathy for him. I would pay him zero, not one red cent. I think this is a bad precedent that we are setting. That if you don't listen to authorities, you become a hero in a viral universe that dumb people everywhere exult and give you praise that you do not agree. You do not have to agree with me. You can be wrong. 877-996-6369. As you hear somebody drop off, you can try to give us a call. Paul in Vegas, what's up? Hey, how are you? I agree with you regarding the police. You should always do what the police say for you to do. I think the bigger point that you may be missing is, yeah, I travel all over the world. I've been on a lot of airlines. Domestic airlines in the United States are some of the most rudest, inconsiderate, and not very nice to their customers. And I think the bigger point that most people think is, I don't even know if they're so worried about he got injured. I thought, you know, like you said about Rosa Parks, they beat her up and threw her off the bus. They wouldn't like that. But as far as he goes, I think it's the fact that the guy is standing up for what was right for him in his mind. He's from a foreign country. He did have patience in the morning. He does have an obligation to them. And I think he wanted to change the flight, thinking he could leave later, first thing in the morning. And the only flight they had was midday. And he said, I can't do that. So he withdrew his, his willingness to do that. But, you know, whether or not, you know, the police handled it, they escalated it pretty quick, yanking him out. But you know, I don't agree with they escalated it pretty quick at all. Here's the deal. If three police officers show up and say, you have to get off the plane, here's what you have to do. You have to get, get off, off the plane. plane. It's simple. I got it. I don't disagree with you on that. Yeah, okay. Well, well then th- that, this guy's situation. Point. I'm not missing any bigger I point. Big, I think the bigger point is people are fed up with the airlines, so, and they're happy this guy stood up for him because this is the CEO that wanted to charge people. To put bags in the overhead. I mean, so the, it stop. Enough? Okay, look, you can get into the the business behind the airlines all you want. People get what they pay for, and what has happened with airlines. You want the basic business situation is airlines were commoditized by the internet. Go on any internet source right now that searches multiple airlines and search for a flight and see what comes up first. You know what the default result is? What's the cheapest flight? 
People have basically decided that they don't care about service. All they care about is price. And as a result, the airlines have said, okay, you're fine with crappy airplanes that aren't very clean. You're fine with all of these disadvantages, being charged for bags, uh, being charged for bulk row, exit seats, all these different ways. The airline has to make money. It's not a public utility. It exists to make money. And what people have told the airlines time and again is all we care about is price. And as a result, they're competing so aggressively on price that the customer service has declined. But that's because the customer is telling airlines, we don't care about the quality of your service, we care about your price. And a ton of you right now who listen, and I'm sure that a ton of you right now are listening, I bet not a single one of you has ever priced based on the quality of the airline. You might make a decision because you have a frequent flyer package or because you have a relationship with one. But that's the truth. Period. Zero doubt. And that's why you get what you get. Let's go to who's up next, Jason? Uh, William in Roanoke? No, actually, Tim in Chicago's next. Tim in Chicago. What's up, Tim? What's going on, Clay? How are you? I'm excellent. Uh, Paul, in, Paul in Vegas, you're incorrect. Uh, he actually held up the plane for 45 minutes making a scene and i question his uh ability to make good judgment anyway well we already know he makes bad decisions because he traded pills for gay sex i mean i can't believe they gave him his medical license back and people say well why does that matter he tried to play the i'm a doctor card if you try to play the when he as soon as he said i'm a doctor and i've got patients what he's effectively saying to everybody else on the plane is my job is more important than yours like, that's why I don't exactly ever right. think that you should be able to play the what you do for a living. There's a lot of people on that plane. Everybody made that decision. They needed to be back in Louisville from Chicago on that day for a certain amount of reasons. And it's because they believe that they, you know, their schedule also. So anytime somebody says, oh, I'm a doctor, then you bring in, first of all, your profession. And I would love to get this guy on the cross-ex stand. I would love to cross-examine him and say, oh, you're a doctor, huh? It's really important that you get back to your patients. Would these be different patients than the yeah. one you gave pills for so you could have gay sex with them? Because that's what you exactly. lost your license for 10 years, right? Like, I don't know why anybody would use this guy at all. <laughs> this guy's know, been guilty of fraud. about the airlines, this is the one time you actually have the airline by the short and curly. You can negotiate with them. You can go back to them and say, well, you know, 800 sounds good, but if you give me a grand a ticket, and you pay for my luxury SUV to Louisville, I'll drive the five hours and take the two grand in uh, credit. That seems like a hell of a deal to me. I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, damn, I I drive a lot more than five hours for places, and I don't get paid two grand for it. Yeah, look. How about it? There there were lots of ways that he could have gotten there in time. He could have gotten into a car. He could have driven. He could have found somebody else to even drive for him. His wife's on the plane. She gets off. I mean, just think about this. Like I'm thinking about it from a parent perspective. This guy's got, got, got kids. Can you imagine getting dragged off an airplane in front of your wife or in front of your kids? Like, how humiliating is that? To be a grown-ass man and to be such a petulant, spoiled brat child that you're refusing to exit an airplane and you make authorities drag you off. This viral video went out. Like, if that had happened to me, I would have been mortified. Like, my God, how did I make such awful decisions today that I ended up in a position where they had to hold up an airplane flight and bring on three police officers onto that airplane and drag my ass off? You know how rare that is? I mean, I travel all over the country. I have never seen three police officers on an airplane in my life. 
People watch this 15-second video, and they don't even think about the fact, wait a minute, how belligerent must this guy have been with flight attendants and also with authorities for it to get to the point where they had to call in police officers to get him off the plane? I've never seen three police officers on an airplane in my life. Chances are most of you haven't either. So before that 15-second video happened, think about the process that had to take place to require them to be called. And also, think about the fact that after 9-11, we made flight attendants their voices law, basically. Once we allowed those three planes to crash into the World Trade Centers, into that field in Pennsylvania, or four planes, and also the, the Pentagon, we decided we need to give flight attendants and pilots total authority over their airline. So when you don't listen to a flight attendant, effectively you are not listening to an authority figure, and that's why they immediately, the next step is not, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm sure they told him, I'm not going to argue with you anymore, sir. I'm just going to go call the authorities, and you're going to have to listen to them. Three police officers come on, and he's still not listening to them. If I were the state of Kentucky, I'd be inclined to take away this guy's medical license again. Now, people would get upset. Oh, he didn't do anything wrong. Are you kidding me? Does your brain work? God. I just can't even imagine. All right, uh, Jeff and Roanoke, right? Uh, is that the next one you want to go to, Jason Martin? Yeah, Jeff's with us. Okay, Jeff, what's up? Hey, Clay. Yeah, you know, first of all, this, <clears throat> the guy's been in the country 40 years. This is not some guy that just uh, immigrated a couple years ago. And his, pa- his past does matter. Maybe not in court, but obviously he's made I think it'll matter choices. in court. Yeah, let me explain that. I think it'll matter in court because okay. his conviction went to fraud. Like he lied, and so if you're if you're if you have a conviction for dishonesty, in theory that can be used if you get on the witness stand. The other thing is, he made the fact that he's a doctor relevant by saying over and over again, "I'm a doctor. I have to go see my patients." So if you're arguing yeah, that point. because of your profession you deserve not to get off the plane, then you made your profession relevant. And so for all the people out there who are saying, well, the fact that he had this conviction for giving pills in exchange for gay sex and had a five-year probation and lost his medical license for 10 years is, in fact, very relevant to his overall disposition as a witness. Do we still have Jeff there or do we lose him? He was there, but I guess he maybe he, he hung up with this point. Uh, Adam in Illinois. Adam in Illinois, what's up? Hey, man. I could not agree more with you, boy. Like... The generation of people we have now, instant gratification, everything has to be online, everybody's so narcissistic, they think they're so important than everybody else, they have no, they can't even fathom their impact on other people's lives, like this guy held up a flight for 45 minutes where the crew is trying to get somewhere else, those people are waiting, <clears throat> I mean, the stuff just makes me sick, and then these videos go viral. And everybody is just, you know, screaming and yelling about how bad the airlines are. <clears throat> that isn't, that, that isn't, that's a dictatorship. When you buy that ticket, that is a dictatorship. It can make you leave. And the disrespect for authority nowadays is <clears throat> beyond belief. And my I'm a Gen Xer, and uh, it hit home with me, you know, in my 20s. <clears throat> but... To see how people have just this blatant disrespect for authority now, it just it blows my mind. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Ben in Rochester. And by the way, before we bring up Ben, 
Uh, v. Paul Mahaju says, your reaction towards the United passengers would have been different if it was a white guy. Hashtag fact. No way. No way at all. I would think that guy deserved everything that he got as well. It's funny when, it, what's, what's interesting about this is, let's make this Asian doctor black. If it were a black person, you know what Black Lives Matter would be saying? No other race would have gotten dragged off the plane like this. This only happened to him because he's black. You know it. The only thing United had working out for itself in this story was at least it was an Asian dude. White guy would have been the best of all. You can do anything to white guys. Kick them in the teeth. Break them down. People would have been like, see, this is how much white privilege there is that this guy thought he didn't need to get off the airplane. Think about it. You know that's exactly what happened. White dude refuses to get off the airplane. It's, oh, white people think the law doesn't apply to him, and now they want preferential treatment. It's so predictable how this would play out. Ben in Rochester. What's up, Ben? Hey, thanks for having me. Huge fan. Appreciate uh, it. I just cannot believe all the other airlines are piling on. I mean, they all would have been through this if he was on their plane. And it is just driving me nuts. I don't know if you've seen the tweets from every other airline, but they just they can't get enough of this. And it would have happened to them if he was on an American airline. It would have happened to them. And and it's going to make their industry so much worse. And as soon as this lawsuit's over, flying is going to be a nightmare. And that's all I really have to think about. That's why you can't settle. Thanks for the call. You cannot settle this case because if you settle this case, what you're telling passengers is you don't have to listen to flight attendants and you don't have to listen to police and you'll make money. Can't send that message. If I'm United Airlines, even though it may hurt the bottom line a little bit, you've already gotten all the criticism virally, it's not going to get worse. You sit down, you take a hard line, and you say, we're not paying anything. Also, putting on my lawyer hat, you have joint and several liability here, so arguably he's going to have to prove damages. What are his damages? I don't know what his damages are that you're responsible for. You didn't drag him off the plane. That was Chicago authorities law enforcement officers he could theoretically sue them but what did united airlines do wrong and what damages did this guy actually have you can't ruin the reputation of a guy who already lost his medical license for 10 years for changing exchanging pills for gay sex that by the way the real coup here is that this guy's wife stayed with him how many women out there are staying with their husbands if they get lose their medical license for for trading pills for gay sex Maybe this guy's a better salesman than we think. God. Let's go find out what's trending. Then we got Dan Wetzel. I'm Clay Travis. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Push it, baby. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And as well, my friends at True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. On average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Dan Wetzel joining us now. Dan, you fly everywhere. We were just talking about the United controversy. Have you ever seen police officers come on your plane to deal with a pa- with a passenger? Um. I think I have seen police officers come on the plane once before. But it's incredibly rare. That's like what I'm kind of hitting on. Very rare. rare. Like if you ever see a – and I'm not talking about three people out there who are listening, like a marshal who might be, you know, like traveling. You never necessarily know who those guys are. Or a police officer who's traveling with a prisoner or something like that. I'm talking about like they're in the airport and you bring on a police officer because of an issue with a passenger. Like I've never seen it. You travel everywhere. I was curious if you have. I've never seen a prisoner either. 
but no, yeah, I think it happened. I think I, I, I recall it happening once. Uh, and then, of course, maybe the medical stuff. But, yeah, extremely rare. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, I think this, this United story has gotten a lot of control. Like, United screwed up, but let's, you know. Like I was saying just now before you came on, you've got kids, and obviously you travel, I'm sure, with those kids and with your wife. In fact, I think you're about to go on vacation. If you got in a position where a police officer had to drag you off an airplane, I was saying I would be so humiliated. I would be like, I can't believe that this happened, and I would be terrified that the videos would come out, and I wouldn't expect people to be on my side. I wouldn't expect people to be like, oh, that guy, you know, tough break for him, like – uh, man, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this happened. Like, I would think people would say, I can't believe a grown man let a situation advance to the point where he got dragged off an airplane by police officers. Like, I would yeah. be so humiliated. I'm not sure what the what the thought process there is that you're going to win that one. Yeah, um, it's, it's crazy. I, just, I don't know where you think. If three cops say you're getting off the plane, you're going to get off the plane. You know, look, United, I don't, I don't know all the details of this, though, but United screwed up by not just raising, finding however much money it took to have one more person knock it on the plane. And I, I will give you an example. I was trying to fly back from Augusta last week or whatever uh, in the middle of the week after the, all the big storms in Atlanta and everything screwed up. We all got on our plane. We had an entire plane filled. And then they came on and said, everybody needs to get off the plane. Okay, now this is a, I don't know what plane, but it was a big plane. Like, you know, so it's a few hundred people, a couple so hundred So it, it takes a long time to get everybody off the plane, obviously. Every single person got off the plane, and then they gave our plane to somebody else, the whole, uh, to do another flight. Yeah. The oh, entire plane. Yeah. We all got thrown off the plane, and then they canceled that flight. So nobody got out. Now, I was lucky enough that I was in a house that was getting rented in Augusta. And I could go back to the house and I had a place to stay. But a lot of people didn't because every hotel room in Augusta, Georgia, is booked Masters Week. Yes. So they they took us all off. That's the unbelievable. Plane. They took plane. everybody off your plane and put another crew, a whole other group onto your plane. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. That Yeah, that, that's pretty unbelievable. So people out there are like, once you get on your seat, you own it. Like, no, you don't. They can, take, they can do whatever they want to to you. Uh, like – Look, they they screwed up. They should have found a better way. All right, I'm not saying it never should have got to that. But as someone who flies all the time, I've flown over one million miles on just Delta, let alone the other airlines. The biggest problem with flying is not, and I'm not defending the airlines because they do all sorts of crappy stuff like that. But the worst part are the other flyers, stuff Amen. like fellow passengers, man. Amen. I mean, that's what I'm saying. The flight attendant, I think the two toughest jobs in America right now, I'm not kidding about this, law enforcement officer of some sort, right? You can talk about a variety of different ways that you can be a law enforcement officer and flight attendant. I think those are the two toughest because you have to deal with people all the time. And people now are like convinced that, that they can talk back to you. And like, think about it. How often do you deal with a police officer in a low stress environment, right? Like, by and large, if you're interacting with a police officer, it's because something has gone awry. Nobody's like, oh, it's just an awesome time. I want to go hang out with the police. Like, it's always like you got in a traffic accident or, you know, you're being told to do something in a crowded situation. Like, and flight attendant, everybody is stressed. And I was trying to think about this. Like, it's because everybody assumes that everything's going to go perfect with flights. There's nothing else where nobody ever gets off an airplane and they're like, boy, 
I was really fortunate that this flight went exactly as it was scheduled. People only react when things don't go as they're scheduled. And most people don't have stuff scheduled like air flights, anything else in their life, right? Like, you have to be at work at a certain time, but there's nothing that you do all day long where, like, this plane's supposed to take off at 2.30. I got a meeting scheduled at 10 a.m. I'm supposed to land at 9.30. What the heck, man? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can in a tin can and flew you across the country. (laughs) It is really remarkable. The other one on the the stress is the late-night Diner manager. I oh, that's feel tough. Bad for these people. The Waffle House. Waffle House night, late night. Right, right. The the IHOP, whatever it is, because everyone's drunk. All these yes. people are drunk, and they're like causing all sorts of mayhem. And you're not getting paid crap. Nobody gives you any. At least a police officer. Like most people are like, "Wow, that's great. You're a police officer. Thank you." Right. Nobody goes, "Hey, thanks for running the Waffle House." While we're drunk. <laughs> and you can't get good workers like the good cook. Or your best waitress is like, no, man, I'm working the morning shift when the regular people come in. That's exactly right. Like, you, you got the dregs of, of the customer the business. Of everything. You got It's you literally the worst collection of people imaginable. Yeah, but they are really good waffles. Can you come back for the last segment, by the way, so we can actually ask you about Aaron Hernandez? Yes. All right, we'll take a break. We'll go back with Dan Wetzel and talk to him about Aaron Hernandez. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios right now, get a five-quart jug of Pennzoil conventional motor oil and an STP oil filter for just $23.99. Restrictions and details in store. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Dan Wetzel with us at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. Dan, you've been covering this Aaron Hernandez double murder trial. I think we had you on last week, maybe on Friday as well, to talk about it. It's gone to the jury for five days. What's the latest? Uh, another day of deliberation today. That'll be the day six. Um, up in Massachusetts, the rule of thumb is one day deliberation for every week of testimony evidence. Uh, it was a five and a half week trial. So we're right at that spot where they ought to bring back a verdict uh, just by the rule of thumb, which obviously means nothing, but it's just the average. I would start being concerned if for the case or from the prosecution if they do not return a verdict on Friday. Massachusetts has a long weekend. The Boston Marathon is Monday. Just a real obvious time for the jury to bring back a verdict. If it goes into next week, I don't know. Um, I think a chance for a mistrial or an acquittal is, is possible, and I've thought there's a real possibility he could get a not guilty on this not because he wasn't there or because he wasn't engaged in some outrageous behavior, but there's a lot of reasonable doubt about who exactly was the trigger man, and that's what you got to prove in this thing. And for people out there who may be trying to put this into context, Aaron Hernandez has already been found guilty of the murder of Odin Lloyd, so he wouldn't get out of jail if he's found not guilty. No. But it would mean that at least he has maybe a Hail Mary. If he beats this these double murder charges – then in theory he could still potentially get a new trial. I mean, he's appealing that, as all people do who get convictions. And if he then got a retrial, then if he beat that, then he'd be free and clear, right? I mean, like, then he would theoretically be able to get out of prison. It's still unlikely, and maybe even incredibly unlikely, if you want to phrase it that way, but it does give him a glimmer of hope, whereas if you're convicted of double of double murder on, on top of the other murder charge, it's almost inconceivable that he would do anything other than spend the rest of his life in jail. Yeah, I mean, it's he's got long odds no matter what, but there is an automatic appeal 
to uh, in Massachusetts. You get life without parole, but you get an automatic appeal. So that appeal will occur. Uh, however, if you look at that trial, I mean, he had high-priced lawyers. He had an extremely attentive judge. You know, there aren't some of the obvious things aren't aren't there. So um, it's pr- fairly low stakes here. But he obviously wants to win it. Uh, you know, on, on what he can do. So we we will see. The jury the jury is uh, the fact it's gone this long is not. Oh my God, he's gonna. You know, it's it's this. We could we could read too much into it. But um, I mean, the the last case went seven days of deliberation and when you talk to the jury there was never a doubt that they, he was going to be convicted they just went through all the evidence it's very very purposeful juries in massachusetts good good for the state of massachusetts you wrote a column i thought it was really compelling you can go read it at yahoo sports go find dan on twitter at dan wetzel about the victims in this case at least in the odin lloyd case and, and to the extent you want to say at least it was a murder where they knew each other which is a crime that typically happens right like most murders occur based on relationships that have existed in some form or fashion in the past and obviously go awry go wrong tell us how this murder came to be it's unbelievable the limited amount of connection that these guys who were murdered had to Aaron Hernandez and the Bradley, the guy who's testifying against him. Right. So you have uh, Daniel De Abreu and, and Seferro Furtado, or two uh, young guys uh, had, had come to the United States uh, with uh, parts of their family had been coming to the United States from Cape Verde to an island off of the west west coast of Africa. Um, early twenties, they're working as clean. They're working as cleaners of, of offices in Boston, just trying to get a foot down. And they work, you know, six nights a week. Sunday night, they decide to, with a couple other friends to go out. They go to this nightclub. Um, they walk in right at the same time as Aaron Hernandez, who they don't know. They're not football fans. And this guy, Alexander Bradley, they are in the club uh, to the surveillance video for nine minutes with Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez is in the club for nine minutes. They're in the club for nine. They're, they're in the club the whole night. They, they, they can't pay more than one cover to get in. So they hang out all night. Hernandez is there nine minutes and leaves. Uh, at best, uh, what appears to have happened, and it, there's still no video of it, is Daniel De Abreu was dancing to some music and kind of stepped back where Hernandez had two drinks and was drinking two drinks, bumped him and, you know, splashed a little of the drink apparently on Aaron Hernandez. There's no, like, big spill mark in the surveillance video when he leaves the club. And that's the interaction. Now, Alexander Bradley says Aaron Hernandez was upset because Daniel De Abreu did not apologize profusely enough, didn't recognize he was a patriot, got enraged that, that people were always trying to like mess with him when he'd go out and things like that. This guy didn't know. He just kind of smiled at him. He talked to his family. So that's how he handled things. He's very non-confrontational. He would have been embarrassed, not really sure what to do. And that was it. Hernandez and Bradley leave. They go to another nightclub. They go down the street and, and uh, smoke a little. They hang out. And then later that night, as these guys are all leaving with their friends, five guys get in a car. They're driving back home. Hernandez sees them. According to Alexander Bradley, says, let's go. Let's get them. They jump in the car. They pull up down the street where these guys are just sitting, idling at a red light. And they pull up alongside it, and Hernandez fires into the car unbelievable story dan wetzel i'm clay travis on fox sports radio
Welcome back. Final hour. Hour number three. Final hour of the entire week. We got 14 hours down. We got one hour left to go. I hope you guys have had a fantastic week. This is the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. We will talk with Bobby Marks. He's from The Vertical. He's the former assistant GM of the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to join us next segment to help break down the upcoming NBA playoffs. At the bottom of the hour, we will have I Hate You, Clay Travis. Hopefully I've given you plenty of ammunition this week to tee off on me. We will take all of those calls from you guys at the bottom of the hour. News uh, in the uh, arena of sports today. Not a lot, honestly. We had three NHL games last night. Some of you care about the NHL. The vast majority of you do not. The Caps, the Predators, and the Ducks all won. Eli Manning is in the middle of an autograph scandal, which is, good Lord, the fact that the Eli Manning autograph scandal is an actual story shows you how dead it is. And the NBA playoffs will officially begin tomorrow, so that is what is on the horizon. I want to encourage you, as always, to go download the podcast. So far, we've had two pretty outstanding guests uh, Lance Taylor from Hour 1 and from Hour 2. We just finished with Dan Wetzel. How chilling was that story about the Aaron Hernandez case? I feel like it hasn't gotten anywhere near as much attention because as we were just talking with Dan Wetzel, the Odin Lloyd murder trial already has Aaron Hernandez in life without the possibility of parole for the rest of his life. But this story is maybe even scarier Because, in theory, it could have been any one of you in the Boston area who happened to be in that nightclub that night with Aaron Hernandez. Guy who works as a cleaner six days a week goes out with his buddies on Sunday night. Dan Wetzel's article says there's hardly anybody in the nightclub. He bumps into Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez is furious. And he's only in that nightclub for nine minutes. And then they go somewhere else and he happens to see these immigrants leaving and decides to roll up on them, and he kills two of them with gunshots into the car. I mean, it really could have been anybody. It's unbelievable, that situation, and what exactly happened in that case. And again, the jury has had it now for, this will be their sixth today, to continue the deliberations about whether or not Aaron Hernandez is guilty of that double murder. But what's also amazing about that story is Hernandez just a few weeks later, signed a $40 million contract with the New England Patriots and then played an entire football season after, according to the state of Massachusetts, having walked up on two random guys he bumped into in a nightclub and shot them. I mean, this guy, Aaron Hernandez, was a one-man criminal crime spree. I think if you go back and look at his time at Florida, I think he shot somebody at Florida too. There was an unsolved shooting where Aaron Hernandez was named as a suspect, and it sounds eerily similar to what happened in this Boston nightclub. Somebody bumped into him in Gainesville, didn't show him the proper amount of respect. After the club closed down, there's the description of a Hawaiian-looking guy, Aaron Hernandez, kind of looks like a Hawaiian-looking guy, right? I mean, light-skinned walks up on that car and supposedly shot a guy in Florida, too. He was also investigated for a stabbing, posed with photos of guns in front of the the mirror while he was a member of the Florida Gators. 
I mean, an all-round terrifying guy. And again, I've been arguing for a long time that the reason why the amount of criminality that surrounded that Florida Gator team was because it was a total mess. And that's why everything that surrounds it was absolutely terrifying, but not given that much attention. Again, all of the criminality that surrounded those Florida Gator teams because Tim Tebow was such a saint. That was a total, like, people just swung and missed on that story because Tim Tebow being such a good guy helped to camouflage guys like Aaron Hernandez who were running around stabbing and potentially shooting people and staying eligible to still play for the Florida Gators. It's just a flat-out unbelievable story. And now, like I said, the second murder trial is going on, and thanks to Dan Wetzel for hopping on with us and uh, telling that story in a much less serious fashion. He also pointed out what I'm telling you. Dan Wetzel said he flies over a million miles a year with Delta. It's like, uh, what was the movie, Up in the Air, when the guy gets the reward from Sam Elliott, walks out, gives him the award for all the, the flighting that he's done. That's a similar situation to Dan Wetzel. He said only one time has he ever seen police officers come on the airplane. It just doesn't happen. And obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about that as well. So I would encourage you guys to go download the podcast. Again, here momentarily, we're going to talk with the former GM, assistant GM of the Brooklyn Nets, and we will be off and running there. And uh, I hope your Friday is going well. We have got a play of the day that's coming up momentarily, I think. Let's go ahead and just hit it. Here's the play of the day. Here's Wilson, and on the right circle, he scores! The Toronto native, Tom Wilson, wins it for Washington! Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Toronto! That's your play of the day, and uh, obviously the Washington Capitals this year, are they going to be able to finally get it done or not? I have no idea. I don't know much about the NHL, let's be honest. But I do know the Capitals have had a star-crossed history, and they have not had a lot of success. That was a big-time score, and again, that was, uh, who was it? I don't know. Tom Wilson coming through for his team in overtime. That's your play of the day. It's presented by Geico. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Did any of you watch the NHL last night around the horn? Jason Martin, did you watch? I did not. (laughs) Danny G, did you watch? Yes, I actually did. You watched Anaheim? Uh, Yes, I did. I watched the Ducks because, as you know, they are the one team here in Southern California that's in the thing. Justin, did you watch it all? I've never watched an NHL game in my entire life. (laughs) Is that actually true? That is true. Oh, that's fantastic. People used to always get on me for not talking enough about the NHL because we had, when I did my show here in Nashville... I'll be like, nobody cares about the Nashville Predators. I mean, they have a tiny, tiny little segment of the population, but the moment you talk hockey, everybody turns the radio off. The ratings reflect that. You just can't talk hockey. Thaddeus in Texas. What's up, Thaddeus? Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to kind of comment on that idiot that was on the plane that got drug off the plane. Amen. Uh, uh, You are are absolutely correct, but my my, my thing, I think what you're missing is, is that where where has this guy been for the last two years or so? Has he been living in a cave somewhere? Because when police come, like you said, you automatically do what the police said. Let's look at the 
the, 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 all these people that have been getting killed here lately. The little girl in Dallas that the police slammed. I'm not saying that the police was wrong, and I'm not saying that they're right. But where was this guy at, man? Where is this guy? Do you not know that when police come, what's going to happen to him? Now, yeah. another thing that I think you're missing. He's complaining. He says he's a doctor. Okay? Well, now, where, what about his patients now? He's in the hospital, and his patients are not being waited on now. That's a, that's, a, that's a really good point. I, I appreciate you mentioning that, I, uh, Thaddeus. Look, I mean, here's the deal. You are not probably going to win an argument with a police officer. And I say that as a lawyer. You may feel like your rights are being violated. You may feel that you are being treated unfairly. There is a time and place where you can adjudicate that issue. It is not typically going to be on an airplane when three police officers are standing above you saying, we're going to drag you off the airplane unless you get off the airplane and walk off yourself. That's not just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen that you're going to win an argument. So again, I, I just put myself in this perspective. I would be, it's hard to embarrass me, right? You listen to this show. You know that I'm as honest as I can possibly be. I would be humiliated if there was video of me being dragged off an airplane by police officers. I would expect to get fired from this show. I would expect, I can't get fired from OutKick because I own it. But if I had an employee, like if Jason Martin got dragged off of an airplane, first of all, it may take like 10 guys to drag you off. But if Jason Martin got dragged off an airplane, I'll be hard-pressed to say, yeah, he deserves to keep his job. And that's not just him. That's anybody. Danny G, if Fox Sports Radio, if there was a video of you being dragged off an airplane, do you think you would get to keep your job? Hell no. I mean, and that's why this doctor decision, the thing that is most amazing to me, is if, if you had a huge skeleton in your closet, and let's just say that skeleton happened to be that even though you're a married man, you had given patients pills in exchange for gay sex and you had lost your medical license for a decade and you had been on probation for five years. Is there any way that you're going to stand up to the police there? That's the thing that I can't get past. Like if you already have issues in your past with the police, do you really want to give more issues to the police? And bring back up your past history? I'm not kidding about this. If I was the state of Kentucky, I would take away this guy's medical license again. I don't think he has the judgment that is necessary to be a doctor. Also, can I? This is one thing I was thinking about, and I don't know where his political persuasions lie and couldn't possibly care less, but based on the way the media has treated the police in general over the last few years, you damn sure don't want to do it, right? Like, because everybody's going to tell you you're going to get shot. Because that's what that's what that's what Thaddeus was just calling it. It's a negative side. Like you don't get shot very often by police. Right. This is one of my big things. People say, why do you mention the stats? Because I'm the only person in the media who will mention them. If you were unarmed this morning on Friday and you're walking outside your house, you are more likely to be killed by a bee, wasp or a hornet than you are by a police officer. If you are unarmed and you're walking outside of your house this morning, you are five times as likely to be killed by a train as you are a police officer. If you are unarmed and you're walking outside of your house right now, you are you are just about as likely to be struck and killed by lightning as you are by a police officer. So police are not shooting people indiscriminately in this country. But there are so many people who are behaving ignorantly like this doctor, doctor in quotation marks, that 
they get put in awkward situations all the time. All this guy had to do was walk off the plane and nothing ever happens here. No story arises. Instead, he gets dragged off. He turns into a hero. The USA Today is calling him the Rosa Parks of airplanes. It's one of the dumbest stories I've ever seen. If you want to read about this, I'm going to tee off on this guy like nobody's ever teed off on him before, except maybe the state of Kentucky when they decided that they were going to strip away his medical license for 10 years because he was a married man trading pills for gay sex. But at least since then, you can read it at Outkick the Coverage. In the meantime, we are about to be joined by, what's the guy's name, Bobby Marks? Yes. Bobby Marks, former assistant GM of the Brooklyn Nets, talk about the NBA playoffs he writes now with Adrian Rojankowski, whose name I always massacre, at the vertical. We'll talk about that next here on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Joined now by Bobby Marks at Bobby Marks 42 Front office insider at the vertical, 20 years of NBA experience with the Jet, oh, sorry, with the New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets, former assistant GM. Bobby, what's up, man? I appreciate you joining us. How are you? Good. Good morning. Uh, I want to start off with, since you're a GM side, and the number one story I feel like, even as we're moving into the playoffs, has been the rest issue. Have you ever seen in your time? a team like the Cavs just say, screw it, we don't even care about being the number one seed, we'll take the number two seed. Can you remember seeing that in the NBA before? Uh, not to that extent, and I, I kind of applaud them in doing so. I mean, I really do. I, I don't think the number one seed really means much to that team. Um, where where they've been, been able to win big games. I, I've, I said two weeks ago that I wouldn't be surprised if they – if they conceded the uh, you know the, the number one seed to get these guys healthy the last week of the season and and rest their bodies because you can go on the road and win and win a game they've showed it uh, as far as in, in Golden State last year or their track record the, the past two years I mean in in Brooklyn you know we had the situation uh, I guess in thirteen fourteen where we rested guys down down the stretch and we slid from four to six and lost home court for the first round and was able to win on, on the road just because we had faith in, in some of the veterans we had with, with Pearson Garnett there. So probably not to the extent as far as, uh, you know, from dropping a one to a, to a two, but uh, I certainly understand Cleveland's, uh, Cleveland's philosophy here. And they probably have a better matchup. You know, I think the, I think I don't see them having much of an issue with Indiana. I think, I think Chicago on the other hand might've pushed them a little bit here. I don't disagree with any of that, but I, I, what I'm kind of fascinated about then is if you are the GM of the Cavs, let's just pretend you're the GM of the Cavs, and you've got LeBron James, and you're defending that, defending NBA champs, why do you even worry about your seeding at all as long as you make the playoffs? Because if you think you have the best team, why not just rest them 15 or 20 games during the regular season and say all our goal is is to make the playoffs because if we make the playoffs, we're going to win the Eastern Conference? Well, that's that's the key. There is that there, were, there really hasn't been much consistency there, and you, you saw it in the Clipper game. I guess that was sometime in March, where where they rested those guys on that that Saturday night. Um, that that kind of caused the, the big uproar and, and how they and how the, the process how they did it. And now you look at down the stretch where you you're playing these guys 15 minutes. You have that that overtime uh, loss in Atlanta. You win it in uh, home against Indiana in, in overtime again, and you've got guys playing 45, 50 minutes, and then all of a sudden you get to the last week of the season, and, and we're like, you know what, we're going to rest guys in Miami. We're going to rest guys at home, and seeding doesn't 
doesn't mean as much. And so it's a little bit of a, I guess, contradicting yourself there um, from, from, from that aspect there. So, you know, if you're going to do the rest part, you're going to, you should probably do it, you know, two feet in here instead of maybe kind of, you know, let's see where we are at, at a certain, certain point. Yeah. We're talking to Bobby Marks at Bobby Marks 42. He's a former GM of the, uh, new uh, the Brooklyn Nets and also the front office insider at the vertical. So that kind of leads to me to a larger question. You're the GM. I'm going to give you a hypothetical. LeBron James comes to you. He says, man, I've been to six straight finals. Let's say they go to the finals again this year and either win or lose. That makes it seven straight, I believe. And he says, I want to take off 20 games next year. I don't want, and this is where I think the NBA could be headed. He said, I don't want to play in October or November. I'll be back on Christmas. Your response is what? I got to do a better job building my bench. That's my right. I mean, I mean, because that, yeah, I mean, I mean, LeBron. That's, that's, that's right. That's where I think this could go. And I, I wouldn't even begrudge LeBron saying it. Look, if I if I want to stay healthy, but I'll go once I get there at Christmas. I'll go full speed for the rest of the year, and I'll only take a game or two off, maybe the rest of the way. But I want to sit out the first twenty games of the year. No, you're right, and we're we're heading towards that. I mean, we really are. I mean, if this Cleveland team gets to a finals here. Uh, how that roster is constructed, uh, it's it's going to be the same situation here where you look at it, it's a top-heavy roster. They'll be in the luxury tax again. They're, uh, the free agents that they signed after the March 1 buyer, uh, waiver buyout will, you know, won't, probably won't be there. So you don't have a draft pick. You don't have a, you know, you're limited as far as how you how you build with uh, your, your money there. And, and their GM, David Griffin, is going to be faced with the same situation where uh, managing guys minutes and how does he build out a bench where, um, you know, for the regular season. I mean, this, this Cleveland team's built for the playoffs. It's not built for 82 games. It's more built for, you're right, you know, 60, 65 games. So how would you solve that if you're Adam Silver? Because what you got guys like me sitting around saying, I love the NBA playoffs. I think it's, a, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. I love to watch them. But I think the NBA regular season's crap, frankly. And the reason why I think it's crap is because of situations like this where I think the Cavs know they're good enough to win the Eastern Conference and they're going through the motions in the regular season, but it makes me not want to care about the regular season at all. If it gets taken to the next level, and you had a guy like LeBron who, honestly, I wouldn't begrudge, saying, I'll show up at Christmas, I'm not playing before then, I'm going to rest until then, get my body back in shape, and then be able to go as I work myself into shape. All we got to do is make the playoffs, and we're going to win the Eastern Conference. How do you handle that if you're Adam Silver? Well, I think there's got to be an overhaul in two things here. It, there's got to be we got to look at the games played. Do we look at and I know there's an economic aspect to it. Do we get down to 60 to 65 games? Because, I mean, you look at the last month of the uh, you know probably last four weeks of the season here. These games resemble an NFL you know late August uh, preseason game. I mean, there, there's really no interest. Even some of the, the big games, if it's San Antonio or Golden State, you're not sure kind of who's going to be out there. So there's from that aspect, I think we can do a better job from a, from a rest standpoint. And then I think there's, if you flip the switch a little bit, I think there's got to be something done from a draft standpoint, from a lottery reform, because you see teams like I know they've won a couple of the Lakers, Phoenix, um, you know, shutting down uh, players down the stretch. Guys are jockeying for um, you know for for more from a draft standpoint than you know kind of putting your own um, your own players out there. So. I, I think there's the, the you know the league certainly has it has to take a deep dive here. I know the issue of resting star players down a stretch certainly garnered some headlines, but I I think there's a lot of cleanup to do all, all around. What do you think about like? And I saw this. I thought it was kind of an intriguing idea. I don't know who floated it, but if you took the bottom eight teams in the NBA 
and you said these bottom eight teams are going to compete in a one-game playoff for the overall number one seed. I think that would actually be kind of entertaining, right? If you like, let's say you knocked off be, a few yeah. of the games, and it's like NCAA <laughs> tournament style, right? Instead of encouraging teams to 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 rest players and not win and try to encourage increase their chances of getting a ping pong ball, if you played an eight game one game playoff, like the elite eight of the NCAA tournament, and the team that won got the overall number one pick, the team that came in second got the overall number two. I think that would be kind of an intriguing way to do it. It would be. It would be like a steel cage match. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you look at it. You look at it that way. You know, it's funny. You know, about four, three or four years ago, you know, Mike Zarin, who's the assistant GM of, of Boston, kind of floated the idea or put together the idea of this wheel, what they call it, and it's and it's basically the draft's not done by record, and it's you kind of rotate on a uh, you know you know a twenty year cycle as far as who gets the number one pick. Who you know, if you have the number one pick one year, you have pick thirty the following year, and it kind of it kind of goes in, into that pattern. It's a little bit more challenging when you when picks are been traded or there's protection on on certain things, but but you're going about you know not based on um, record alone, and I, and I think it would certainly improve the product. I mean, you'd see certainly teams like Phoenix playing their own guys, Tyson Chandler, um, Eric Bledsoe. Um, you know, I don't think Mozgov and Dang would have had much of an impact from a, from a record standpoint in, in L.A., but it certainly changes teams' perspective when you get down the stretch here. We're talking to Bobby Marks at Bobby Marks 42, front office insider at the vertical, 20 years of NBA experience in the in, inside with the, the Jet. Uh, the, I keep saying the Jets, the New Jersey Nets and the Brooklyn Nets. That's tough to say. Um, what would be your solution in terms of I, I floated the idea I said look let's just start the NBA season on Christmas Day I said you know nobody cares about October and November basketball if you started the NBA on Christmas Day we still have maybe the issue about the 82 82 game schedule but I would actually bump the NBA season into July maybe into August and allow that entire summer months when nothing else is going on guys like me have to get up and talk for three hours and there's nothing but maybe local baseball going on Think there's any possibility that the NBA ever readjusts the start time of the schedule? No, I don't think so. I think if anything, you 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 know, it'll be interesting this year. They're gonna you know, it's tweaked because of the CBA. We'll, we'll start, um, you know, they'll have an extra week here to see how these games get stretched out. We'll, you know, will the back-to-backs, um, you know, de- decrease? Um, that's going to be the um, you know the big thing. I think a lot of it has to do with really common sense when you're doing the schedule. And I and I was part of that in, in Brooklyn and in New Jersey on on the team side as far as dealing with the building, finding dates, um, working with the league. And um, you know, there's no reason for uh, you know if you're if you're marquee games on a Saturday for a team to play a back a back to back the night before here. And 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 how this, this the year for 2017-18 will kind of be a little bit of a test study of if it actually works and. And then we move from there. And but you're right. I mean, we saw in, in the 11-12 season that was the strike short year, and we started at Christmas Day. And I think that was you know we, we crammed you know what 65, 66 games in there, and it was it was pretty um, it was pretty appealing there. So I, I think it's not a, a done issue here. I think you know the league is kind of kind of take a wait and see approach. Um, will they ever go from 82 to 65 games? I think it will be hard to get everybody on board there. Final question for you. Would you be very surprised if it's not Cavs or Warriors for the third straight year in the NBA Finals? I would. I think I'd be more surprised if it's not Golden State there. I, I think their path is um, a little bit more, I don't want to say easier, but I, you know, just, I just like how they've played and now you've got Durant back. I think Cleveland will be interesting is, you know, how, you know, where the, from an Indiana series, can you get out in four or five games? I think 
what they have left when you get to an Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, if it's Boston, possibly um, from has there been a key injury there? Um, that that's going to be uh, you know something to watch. But they'll have their hands full with Toronto. I mean, that is a good Toronto team. Um, now you've got with Abaka and Tucker, you got Kyle Lowry healthy. Um, they will certainly have um, you know their hands full when if you get to a, a round two against that team. The team they they beat in six games last year. Many thanks, Bobby. Hope to talk to you again at Bobby Marks forty two on Twitter. Sounds good. Next. Have a good day. Appreciate that. Up next, all right, load up the phone lines right now. Every single Friday, what do we do? It's time for I Hate You, Clay Travis. 877-996-6369. Your opportunity to tee off on me for anything that you think that I have said that is absurd, that has given you reason to despise me. 877-996-6369. Load these lines up. In the meantime, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back to Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And also, want to tell you about my friends at TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. What's interesting about that is, in general, the decision that he said he would make, Bobby Marks, who we just talked to there on the uh, as the GM, if LeBron James showed up to him and said, hey, I'm not showing up this year till Christmas, he said, I better work on my bench. I think that's the challenge the NBA's got going forward, is at some point in time, and I wouldn't blame him if he said it, why does LeBron James need to travel around on jets all over the place for October and November basketball? Show up on Christmas. Your team goes 10-10 and 10 or thereabout. And you're ready to roll from there. All right, we got some I Hate You calls rolling in. Uh, let's go again. The phone number 877-996-6369. Let's go to Alex in California. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. Hold on. Let's play the uh, – my bad. Let's play the open to the I Hate You Clay Travis segment. That's on me. Let's go ahead and hit that. I swear to God, Clay, if I ever see you on the street. America, it's time for your favorite segment. I hate you, Clay Travis! Oh, you haven't heard of it? It's really simple. Basically, you get to on Clay. Like this. I hate you, Clay Travis. This is the stupidest thing that probably <laughs> you said in about six months. I hate you, Clay Travis, with your elfin size five shoes. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. <laughs> now, here's Clay. You, Travis. I mean... I hate you, Clay Travis. You want to hate me, then hate me. What can I do? All right, boys and girls, your time to tee off on me, Alex, in California. You're up first. Clay Travis, I hate you because you're so niggardly with your sports talk. Sprinkle in some real sports from time to time. It'd really be helpful. No, I won't do that. A lot of times sports is boring. Like, Would you rather me talk about the United Airlines controversy or would you rather me talk about the NHL? You know what people are doing if I talk about the NHL? They're changing the channel. You know what they're doing if I talk about United Airlines? They're staying in their car for an extra extra segment. I know what people want, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now, there's a big sports story out there. We're going to talk about it. There's crappy sports stories. I'm going to whatever the biggest story is in the world at large. Hell, if North Korea shoots a nuclear weapon off, might be our lead on Monday morning. Never know. James in California. James, what's up? Hey, Clay Travis, I hate you because you're always saying you're a lawyer, but you're actually a radio host. 
No, I'm still a lawyer, too. You Once you're a lawyer and you pass the bar, you're a lawyer forever. So I'm a lawyer with a radio show and a website, probably a TV show soon. I do all of those things. Once you're a lawyer, you're always a lawyer. All right, 877-996-6369. Jason Martin going to fill up the phone lines and uh, be able to receive those. Other bit of, little bit of breaking news, by the way. I don't even think this is breaking news. Anybody even know who this guy is? Senior VP of officiating Dean Blandino has told the NFL he's leaving to take a network job. All right, so he's going to make money to go on TV like Mike Pereira, who's the best in the business. You guys think that's uh, news? I don't think it is. Uh, Danny G, any reason you hate me this week? Where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I hate you, Clay Travis, because I come up with – let me set it up first. John Paul Morosi, who is our baseball insider – for the show and he's on every Thursday, right? So uh you told us, hey, you know, baseball's not really my thing. I, I was a baseball fan when I was a kid, but not now. So uh Coop and I were typing out these great baseball questions for you to talk to Morosi about. Uh Coop comes up with one, I come up with three or four. Coop is the only question uh who who's who typed it that you used, and I'm sure he's not gonna hate you because then you talk to Morosi about Mike Trout ad nausea for like 10 minutes and none of my questions got on one of my questions was about Yoannis Cespedes who hit two more home runs yesterday so it would have uh tied together perfect you would have looked like a genius with Morosi uh you know let's be honest April baseball (laughs) makes October basketball look like incredibly important because at least the NBA games count twice as much 162 baseball games I don't know how you people watch it but if you every single day if you let us though we'll make you seem like you're a baseball genius well I am a baseball genius I'll be GM by the end Justin anything you want to tee off on uh there's there's nothing that I hate you for quite yet Clay because we're still you know kind of new here I'm still kind of new here but I'm working on it all right, Travis in Maryland. That was really weak, Justin. I hate you for your inability to help out with the show. Travis in Maryland. What's up, Travis? I hate you, Clay Travis, because you said we need to send Michael Jordan to North Korea to negotiate peace. Uh, you know what? Now, I paid $40 I, for an Outkick shirt, but that is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Well, thank you. You can get at your Outkick shirts at OutkickGear.com. I'm telling you right now. We send Michael Jordan to North Korea. He comes back with a Nobel Prize. People don't realize that Kim Jong-un used to spend all of his spare time tracing out Michael Jordan Jumpman logos when he went to school in Switzerland. This guy is obsessed with the 1996 to 1998 era Chicago Bulls. I think if we sent Luke Longley over there, he might even be able to get peace. You saw how this guy reacted to Dennis Rodman. I legitimately believe this. I think if Donald Trump named Michael Jordan his emissary for peace – he could go over there and get North Korea not to decide to use nuclear weapons. I really 100% believe that. I think Michael Jordan could get the Nobel Prize, and then you know what would happen, right? LeBron James would try to get a Nobel Prize. LeBron James would be out there busting his ass, trying to do whatever he could to get a Nobel Prize. He would lose his mind. He'd be over in China trying to make sure that Taiwan and China got along. He'd be a global emissary. Trying to live up to Michael Jordan. He wouldn't get a Nobel, though, because he's not as good. Uh, Daryl in Oregon. What's up, Daryl? Clay, what's up, man? Hey, listen, I don't hate you, but my riding partner at work we ride with every day thinks that uh, you remind him of Dan- of uh, Jim Rome, and uh, he likes Mike and Mike better than he likes you. So set him straight, Clay. Set him straight. Uh, first of all, 
you need to change the writing partner to work. If they like Mike and Mike, they might as well just go ahead and listen to a seven-year-old boy. Uh, secondly, Jim Rome. Like, I saw this dude. I think he's near death. I saw him at the Super Bowl. Jim Rome is like 5'4", 112 pounds. I actually felt bad that Jim Everett decided to kick his ass back in the day. Remember that story? I'm nothing like Jim Rome. I'm six foot 180, and I have a penis. That makes me a lot different than Jim Rome, all right? Jim Rome is 5'4", 112 pounds, and he might be transgender. Not 100% sure about that. But the fact that Jim Everett decided to beat his ass, I was like, my God, this is like kicking a girl's ass. I saw him on a, an elliptical, and he could barely make the elliptical thing move. I just feel bad for him. So I'm not Jim Rome. Jim Rome might hate me now. Let's go to Cameron in Indiana. Cameron, what's up? Clay Travis, I have a beekeeper friend that hates you, and he feels like you are decimating the bee, wasp, and hornet population with all your <laughs> anti-insect propaganda every day. I can respect that. I do not want the we have a bee shortage, right? Like, the bees are disappearing in this country. I'm a big honey guy. Take a spoonful of honey every morning when I start the day, and uh, that's how you beat allergies. Anybody know that? Somebody, old-school southern dude, told me that. Local bee and honey if you take a spoonful of it every day, it's amazing what it's done to my allergies. Better than Claritin, Allegra, all those different medicines that you take. Just take a spoonful of honey. I want the bees to continue to live. But it's important for you to know as you walk out of your house today, bees are more likely to kill you today, bees, wasps, and hornets, than police officers are if you're unarmed. Black Lives Matter is going to lose its mind, but bee lives matter too. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. This has been I Hate You, Clay Travis. And... Final segment of the show up next on Fox Sports Radio. I think it's my theme song. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I hope we're not at war with North Korea when I come back on the air on Monday. I think it might happen. People aren't paying attention to this. Crazy-ass bastard down in North Korea, Kim Jong-un. Got to send in Michael Jordan. Got to send in Michael Jordan to get him to give up the nuclear weapons. It's basically the plot of Space Jam, except on Earth. I think it might work. I think Michael Jordan could get the Nobel Prize. Six NBA titles, Nobel Prize. LeBron James would cry himself. He'd be so triggered. No hope to Michael Jordan now. Right at the peak of Michael Jordan's, of LeBron James's career, Michael Jordan just one-ups him, flies over to North Korea, Wins the Nobel Prize. All those LeBron James fanboys be curled up in the fetal position, crying silently. Their safety pins on their chest. Why you got to use the word posse? Charles Barkley. What a bitch LeBron is. <sighs> Go Pacers. All right. We got the moment you've all been waiting for. Yesterday, this is kind of a disaster. Not going to lie. Thought about firing Jason Martin over this. He wasn't prepared. He hadn't done his homework. Immediately, everybody's been tweeting about the Tebow watch. They've been doing a better job than you, Jason Martin. This is your chance at redemption. It is Easter weekend coming up. The son of God, Tim Tebow, brought back to earth, playing single-A baseball in Columbia, South Carolina. What is he batting right now? Not very high. But as we all know, Easter weekend is when the son of Jesus makes son of God makes plays. Big-time weekend coming for Tim Tebow. Eight home runs maybe risen from the dead as well. What happened last night? Tim Tebow batting in the seventh spot Ah, last night. Yes. Saw action at DH and in left field this week. One single, four at-bats. Average at 185. 
He has not really shown the speed on the base paths yet that you might expect. Got into left field late in the game and got a couple of putouts for the Fireflies of Columbia. Here's information for you. First off, they beat the Augusta Green Jackets, which is a fantastic name. Oh, that is a great name for a minor seven league baseball to two. team. Just absolutely tremendous. They beat them 7-2. to two. Tonight at the Augusta Ballpark, ladies' night. Then fireworks tomorrow night as we head into Easter. I don't know what ladies' night means when it comes to Tebow already being in your building, but whatever it means. Tebow's not going past second Tebow. base in this game. That's what it means. Yeah, exactly right. 185 is his season average for the left fielder, Timothy Tebow. It is going to be a big weekend for him, I think. Again, this is when the Son of God makes plays. I'm so excited. Gets buried, comes back to life. I think Tebow, three home runs this weekend. He's got two so far on the season. He's going to hit three home runs this weekend. I'm going to say he's going to hit one. One on Saturday night for ladies' night, and then he's going to get two on Easter Sunday. He's going to, like, like Lazarus, Tim Tebow is going to rise from the dead. Like Jesus, Tim Tebow going to make plays over Easter weekend. No doubt. No doubt at all. That has been your Tim Tebow watch. NBA playoffs start tomorrow. How many games are there tomorrow, Jason Martin? What are, what are we looking at here? Four tomorrow and three on Sunday. So that leaves one series that isn't starting until Monday? Unless I missed it and couldn't count to four, Boy, yes. If you have if, – no, Oh, my God, they on added Sunday. one. There were, yeah, there are four. Okay, that makes more sense. Yesterday they only had three listed, so this they is, finally I added don't know, the I don't know about your performance. I'm going to be honest with you. Your performance in the final segment of the show here – All right, Clay, fire me leaving, and see how you do. Leaving much to be wanted. True Car would never get an ad. If true I weren't car. here, true you car would, would never, ever read a true car ad. That might well be true. Did I do all my ads right today? Are we good, Danny G? Uh, yeah, you only missed three. I mean, do I legitimately <laughs> need to do one here before we go to finish the show this week? Yeah, then you'll be, only be two behind. You I'm the best, best ad the man in the business. Here's what I want everybody listening right now to do. I don't want you to get hit by a train over the weekend. I do not want you to get hit by a train over the weekend. That's what Jim Rome listeners do. That's what Mike and Mike listeners do. Do not get hit by a train over the weekend. I am Clay Travis. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. If you want to read about this idiot on United Airlines, I'm about to tee off on him on Outkick the Coverage. I guarantee it'll make your day going right from this show to sit down at my desk and start writing. I am Clay Travis. Don't get hit by a train and listen to the police, you knuckleheads. I'll see you all on Monday on Fox Sports Radio. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 